Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. This morning, I wanted to look at, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Because I wanted to stay just a little longer in this idea of the resurrection and what happened um, after Jesus rose from the dead. And what changed inside of the disciples? Something radical changed inside of the disciples. And I want to look at that today in Paul's words from Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you, the glorious riches of his inheritance in his holy people, and that you would know his incomparable great power For us who believe that power is the same as his mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion in every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Something big changed in the disciples soon and after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They weren't the same as they were before. For one, they literally saw the Lord crucified, dead, and buried, and then on the third day raised to life. I mean, they saw him. They talked with him. They watched him ascend into heaven before their very eyes. No doubt, as we would imagine, this, of course, changed them. But it wasn't just that that they experienced. Something else happened inside of them. For Jesus told his disciples in John 14 that he was going to go to the Father but that he wouldn't leave them alone as orphans. But once ascended and with the Father, he would send to them the promised Holy Spirit. And Jesus said of that in John 14, 15 to 20, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus said, Jesus said that after he ascended up into heaven, 
that the Holy Spirit would come down and be with them forever, would literally live inside of them, and that through the Spirit, Jesus himself would be with them and also in them. Jesus said that the world cannot see him, the Holy Spirit, not a visible person, but just as real. And Jesus said, I would know him because he would be in me. Jesus told them that he would live in them. God with us, now in us. This was the new home of the Lord. Not a building in Jerusalem, a temple, but now his people, you and me. This is the big change after the resurrection, that these disciples were not the same. Not only did they physically see Jesus risen and alive again and even watch him ascend into heaven, but they, like all who believe, are now filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them in his last words in Luke 24, 49, that they were to wait for this before going out into the world. He said, I am going to send to you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So before Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, the disciples and the world did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. But after the resurrection and at that appointed time, the Father who sent the Son now sent the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 3 to 9, it talks about how for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to them and preached to them about the kingdom of God, gave them many convincing proofs he was alive. And on one occasion, it says he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What I want us to see here is that after Easter, after the resurrection of Jesus, something very different, something very real changed inside of the disciples and the believers. A new era began, the era of the church, of the Holy Spirit, of the fellowship of believers being the body of Christ. From where that moment on, the literal presence of God would now be in them who believed in his name. Not in a temple made of stone, but in them who bear his name. God would make his home inside of us. And we would live knowing him in this very personal and real and new daily way. We would have his counsel and his comfort. We would have his wisdom and his knowledge. We would have his hope and peace and joy and power at work within us. Paul writes about the Holy Spirit and says that it is a seal even that marks us as those belonging to God. He says that the Holy Spirit 
will bring with him gifts for each person to serve God with. Some of those will be given a gift of preaching, others teaching, encouraging, healing, or leadership. But again, they're all from the Holy Spirit of, of God. These are the things the Holy Spirit brings to empower our life and ministry to continue to do the work Jesus began. Paul writes that the Holy Spirit will be at work within us and it will bear fruit in our life. In other words, God's power changing us from the inside out. He's giving us a new heart. It's him at work within us doing that. Filling us with a new love we couldn't just have on our own. A new goodness, a new kindness, a faithfulness, a gentleness, a control in our life. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the power of God at work now inside of us. So you see, the disciples were not the same men after the resurrection as they were before. Jesus told the disciples that when the Holy Spirit would come upon them, they would now be able to do everything that he had been doing. Jesus told them that the same power that even raised him from the dead would now be alive inside of them and they would do what he would be doing even greater things than these because he was going to the father and would give them that which they asked him for in his name and so we see this unfold in the book of acts peter began to preach with new authority some power was behind his words that wasn't there before he had new conviction people were coming to faith all around him this wasn't just the fishermen anymore this was the apostle. You know, the Sanhedrin began to notice that these uneducated fishermen had been with Jesus because they had a knowledge. They had miracles that were being reported. Crowds were gathering around them. Something undeniable was happening in their midst. There was something very different about these guys. Peter, James, and John. After the resurrection, they had a new power, a new spirit living inside of them, a new hope of the kingdom to come, a new courage to stand up to things, a new faith. How could it be explained other than they had truly seen Jesus alive again and they were now filled with the promised Holy Spirit of God living inside of them? They're no longer just people. They're the temple of the living God. He was with them and living in them. Radical change had just happened. A new era had just begun. When Peter gives his first sermon on Pentecost in Acts 2, he speaks about how it had been prophesied long before that in the last days, God would pour out his spirit on all people. His sons and daughters would prophesy and see visions and dream dreams. And God would show wonders in heavens above and earth below and, and people would be saved. Well, Peter told them this is what they're seeing in him and in the other disciples. That Jesus was risen and exalted and had now poured out his spirit, which they can now see at work in them. And Peter told them to repent of their sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus and that they too would receive forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. He said this promise is for them, for their kids, and for all who are far off like you and me now, 2,000 years later, all whom the Lord and God would call. 
When we put our faith in Christ, he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And from that moment on, we're not the same. He's living on the inside. And so coming back to our scripture now in Ephesians, Paul is writing to the church there and he's telling them that he's heard about their faith. He's heard about their love. He's thankful for all of that. But then he says this interesting thing. He says that he remembers them in prayer and that he is specifically praying for them. He keeps asking God for them that God would pour out his spirit. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, he says, that they might know the Lord even better than they do. The spirit that he said would open up their eyes and open up their heart to truly know the hope for which they have been called. The spirit which he said would give them power, incomparable power, a power like that which rose Jesus from the dead, that resurrection power, his strength, helping them live the Christian life and do all the things that he had been doing in Ephesians 3 14 to 21 Paul goes on to say for this reason I pray and I kneel before the father that he might strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ might dwell in your hearts that you might know his love even more a love that surpasses knowledge and that you might be filled up to the measure of the fullness of God who is able to do immeasurably more than all you think or imagine, according to his power, which is at work within you. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul has this continued prayer that he writes throughout the book of Ephesians, that he can see their faith and love, but he's now asking God to fill them up in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that they might know the Lord even more and his power and strength working through them to accomplish more than they can do in their own strength and their own understanding. The awareness of his presence and power to do what God wants to do in our life and in our church, that comes from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. The power to do what God wants to do in our life and our churches and the awareness of him comes from the Holy Spirit. And we're all given the Holy Spirit when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But we all must learn how to live by the Spirit. To see and to listen and to surrender to the move of the Spirit in our life. Paul's prayer is that God would give this church, these believers, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to share just a personal story of my life. I grew up in the church um, since I was a baby, and I was in Sunday school and went to camp, youth group, all of that. I genuinely gave my life to the Lord when I was a child. I believed in Him. I didn't know any different than believing in Him. I mean, I was baptized. I even tried to read my Bible a little bit and do the right thing. And, and I did grow up in my faith, especially in high school. I had a great youth group. And it was all real. And I, I know that the Holy Spirit was at work in me all of those years. I know it. I was beginning a relationship with the Lord. Through college, that continued. I was now away from home and on my own in a new city, a new environment. But God was still at work within me. That had not changed. He was living inside of me and always getting my attention. I was now attending a new 
a new church in a new city and I had college Bible study and and all that. All that the Holy Spirit still working in my life. Well, when I was in seminary becoming a pastor is when I first met my now wife, Carrie. And when I started dating Carrie back in the year 2000, I saw and so appreciated about her, her deep love for God and her faith. She had been through a whole lot of stuff in her life that I had not. And because of those things, I think, she really came to love the Lord deeply and know him on a deeper level, I think, than I did. I would say that she was far more spirit-led than me. She would read her Bible every day. She prayed with such conviction and faith and, and knew of God's presence and power in her life, and I could just tell it. Carrie would pray, and when she did, every time, I would be moved. Um, her faith in Christ has always been something beautiful to me. It was genuine. She knew the Lord. She walked with the Lord, and her prayers had power. And just being around her, I not only fell in love with her, but I found myself falling in love with the Lord in a whole new way. It's not that I didn't have a relationship with God before uh, I met Carrie. I, of course, did. But being around Carrie, I just wanted to know her better. And I also wanted to know the Lord even more than I did. And I began to pray for that. And I don't know if she was praying for me as well, but something happened to me. The Holy Spirit was alive in me more than at any other time in my life. It was like a fire had just been lit inside of me, you know, and it was amazing. I was having a, a sense of rebirth and renewal and my faith and my love for God and my sense of mission and purpose. And, and I began to pray with new power and purpose. I began to expect God to show up each day, and, and he did. I began to trust in him more and less in me. I began to pray for the Spirit to help me speak and to teach. And, 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 and I began to see God at work in my life in new powerful ways. There was a bit of revival in me during those years. And again, it's not that the Holy Spirit wasn't in my life before that. I wouldn't have even known Christ if it wasn't for the Spirit. But it was like I was opening up my life to Him more. And like what I had buried down deep inside of me was rising up now to the surface. And I was growing in Christ. I was becoming more aware of His presence and learning to yield and believe in Him more. I, I learned during that time more about what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I always thought that, that I just had the Holy Spirit. But the word filled was interesting to me. What did it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I studied scriptures on that, and I realized the word filled was like how a sailboat has sails that are filled with the wind as the wind blows. And the boat moves when you align the sails where the wind is blowing and it fills the sails and it, and it moves the boat. You know, and so our job as believers, 
I began to realize is to continually align our life where God is moving and trust him and let him fill the sails and move the boat. My friend has a sailboat and has it on Lake Michigan in Chicago. And I've gone out with him a few times. And the winds in Chicago are like they're here in Nebraska. And if, if you try going against the wind, good luck. You'll either get terribly exhausted rowing, rowing, rowing. Or worse, you'll tip the boat. But the trick is to align the sail so that the wind does all of the work. And even those times when you go out and it doesn't feel that breezy. And you can't even tell that the wind is blowing. It is even if ever so gently. And even that gentle breeze is way more powerful than you think. You just have to line up your sails to connect with that wind and your boat will move and coast across the water. This analogy of filling of those sails, the filling of the Holy Spirit in our life, was so important to me. This is what was happening to me. I saw back in those days. And what I see. I have to do throughout my whole life. Is how the Lord wanted me to live. Not in my own strength. Rowing, rowing and rowing. But learning how to sail. Learning how to live by the spirit. Learning how to recognize. Where God is moving in my life. And my family. And my church. And my world. And lining up with him. Moving the sails. Nudging over. You know letting go. Abiding in him. Listening to his still small voice. When it says come on this way. And things just start to happen. When I live by the spirit. And our scripture. Paul is saying. This is my prayer for you. Church in Ephesus. I've heard about your faith and your love, and that's all great. But I'm continually asking God to give you more of his spirit. He says in verse 17, I ask God, the Lord Jesus of the Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him more. And that word know is the Greek word gnosis. It doesn't mean to know like more facts about God. Gnosis means to know him like you would a friend. To become more aware of his presence in your life and to be able to experience God more. Paul is praying that by the spirit they'd be able to experience God at work in their life more. That they would know Jesus better, his love for them, his daily presence, his heart, his vision for their community. This is the knowing that Paul is praying for. They already know that Jesus died and rose again for them. They, they know some facts about the Lord, but do they know him daily and what he wants for their neighbor? or for their own personal marriage, or their kids, to know Him like that, to align the sails, to be filled with the Spirit, to listen and hear His voice. So many people grow up religious, but they never know Jesus, not in that way. They might know doctrines of the church, but there's no relationship with the Lord. Jesus used the word gnosis or knowledge at the end of His Sermon on the Mount. To say that many will do religious things throughout their whole life in my name. But in the end, I will tell them, I never knew you. <laughs> the difference is the Holy Spirit. You can know about the Lord or you can know the Lord. He's right there with you and wants to talk to you today. When we open up our life to him and seek and surrender and pray and spend time with him, the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom and revelation. He will make Jesus known in your life. He will bring to mind the words of scripture, or conviction or comfort or faith. 
When I began to seek more of the Spirit, I became more aware of His presence. This is what Paul is saying he wants for that church. By the Spirit that they would know Him better. But also verse 18 says, By the Spirit that it would awaken a greater hope in them. For riches of his, to know of the riches of his glory and his inheritance. And we've been talking about hope this whole Easter season and how important it is for our life to have hope, for our kids to have hope. And hope comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that will shine, will enlighten, will shine a light into every darkness that you go through every despair, every brokenness, every sin, every hardship, the Holy Spirit is there to keep shining the light and pointing you to where to go and that it is not over. That the kingdom is coming and to remember his promises and the provision of the Lord and God's faithfulness with you today. The Holy Spirit is the one who encourages you to keep fighting the good fight and to give, give you vision to keep finishing the race and setting on the goal and focusing on the reward of the crown and the home of heaven and how our temporary sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that will one day be revealed. It's the Holy Spirit that is that cheerleader inside ready to tell you to keep going. Don't give up right now. Paul told young Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and discipline. He's that trainer and he's that, that teacher. He's that cheerleader, that coach from the sidelines, pointing us to the hope all the time in the midst of our darkness. I think of all those Old Testament stories and how the people could either focus on Pharaoh's army or on the Lord who was saying, I'm going to part these seas. You know, the Holy Spirit's the one who's saying, hey, he's going to part those seas. You know, you know, they could either focus on the desert that was before them or they could trust that manna will appear every day and water is going to flow from every rock God says it's going to flow from. The Holy Spirit says, yeah, it is. You know, they could either despair at the size of the enemy or they could trust the one who said, I'm going to give you this land. They could either be like Saul and say, you can't fight against Goliath. You're just a boy. He's a warrior. Or they could be like David, who was filled with the spirit of God and believed that the one who helped him defeat the lion and bear when he was just a, a shepherd would help him now and give him victory today. The Holy Spirit is the one who says, yes. Trust in him. The Holy Spirit is the one who shines that light into our darkness and lifts our head and reminds us of the faithfulness and the provision of God who goes with us. And so if you are being overcome today by discouragement, despair, fear, sadness, hopelessness, then open up the sails. Come back, trust in him. Let him fill you up again. Sometimes when I get in places of weariness like that, I got to take a day. It may seem radical to you. But, but you just got to take a day off work. You got to go spend some time with the Lord. Go for a walk. Let the Holy Spirit again fill you up with hope. Remind you of his promises. Spend some time listening to the voice of God. Let him do that revival in your heart. You need it. Take some time with the Lord. 
And then the last thing Paul says here that the spirit of God's going to bring into your life is, like I said, this greater power. And I love this. The only one of the only words I remember from Greek class in my seminary is the Greek word for power used in the New Testament because it's the word dynamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. That's how I can remember it. Dynamis means an explosion of power, and it's specifically talking of God's power. That's the, the use of it, his strength. And so it could be even just that gentle breeze, you know, but it is powerful to move that ship. It is greater power, Paul says here in in our verses, than any ruler, authority, dominion on earth. Know that. No matter what you face, his power is more. Paul says it's his power raised Jesus from the dead. And it's now living inside of you. Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, beautiful story. They're walking through Jerusalem. They come across a crippled beggar asking for money. They don't have any money to give. But Peter takes the man by the hand and he says, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And the man got up and walked. It's the first miracle of the disciples that we read about in Acts. What Jesus had been doing, they now have the power to do in his name. It's the same power that is in you and me that will help the addict overcome addiction because the spirit is stronger than any chain that tries to bind us. It's the same power that helps me love who I struggle to love or forgive who I don't want to forgive or restore that which has been broken by my sin or heal that relationship or help me speak and serve in his name. I have told you this before, but I am not smart and I am also very shy. And I grew up and I was terrified of public speaking. But by the grace and spirit of God, I do what I do today. And I, more than anyone, know the miracle of it because it's not me. For he is alive in me and working his strength that I might be able to stand up here and speak the gifts that God gives us through the spirit are not natural abilities. They're his power at work in his people to accomplish his purposes so that others might know him. We can't do these things, but he can do them. Nothing is impossible with God. And so if you open up the sails, you align your life where God is speaking and calling and moving and by faith, trust in him. Even when you can't feel the wind blowing, the gentle breeze is always going and it's way more powerful than you think. And he'll move the ship across the waters. He will do it. It'll be his strength in our weakness, his grace in our sin, his love in our life, his spirit at work in us. And so to end, Paul in our scriptures praying, asking God to give this little church in Ephesus more of the spirit so that they might know Christ more, not in facts alone, but in the awareness of his presence and that they might have this hope in their heart to see in every darkness the light and not give up and to give know of his riches and inheritance. And, and third, that the spirit would give them power to fill their sails and move this little church into his purposes, accomplishing more than they ever thought or imagined. He can do that. And I pray the same for us.
Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you are able to join us in worship again soon. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church programs and events, head to bccwaverly.org.